podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. I can't believe it. How many books is this now? This is the fifth book, but the third novel of the Witcher series by Andrzej Sapkowski. Today we're talking about Baptism of Fire. Hello, I am the Jaystrom, and I am here with Ross Pony. Hello, Ross. Hey, Jason. Hello, everybody. Thank you for sticking with us uh, on this fifth installment of the Witcher Book Club series. Yes, we're talking about the fifth book, and I gotta say that, uh, wow, this is a good book. I like it. It's a very good book. This one, um, this one felt a lot like the first book that we read, the uh, the Last Wish, in terms of just kind of the the fun atmosphere that was going on. I, it was a very enjoyable book to read. Yes, it was. There's so much character interaction here, and. You know, if you were kind of sad that we didn't get a lot of uh, Geralt in the last book, we get plenty of Geralt in this book. Oh, we're up to our arms in Geralt in this book. This is (laughs) a Geralt-centric book. Everything that we didn't get from the last one, like you're saying, it's here in spades. What's funny is uh, he kind of took a backseat in the last novel, and Ciri was at the forefront. And now Ciri definitely is in the background here, and it's all Geralt- and we get dandelion through the entire book. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying when we were texting each other. It, it felt like a uh, Geralt dandelion road movie, yeah. you know. And 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 I I enjoyed it a lot. I think it's kind of what I needed in the series at this point because everything is such a downer and series off doing her thing, and it's you know it's not what you would hope she was doing, uh, and it, it's. Um, it just, it, it felt good to get the two of them back in action. Yes, most definitely. And, you know, Siri, we don't get a lot of her, but she's a hot mess in this. And- <laughs> yes, she definitely is. All of a sudden, she's this bloodthirsty killer. And I'm like, where did the, you know, the sassy little blonde girl go? Yeah, it's kind of scary. We need Geralt to find her as soon as possible before she... Her uh, body count rises even higher, I think. I know. She's going to have some things to answer for. (laughs) Yeah. What's funny is the way the book begins is it introduces a dryad named Milva, who is basically a human named Maria Barring. And at first I was like, oh, is this the the dryad we met in... uh, sort of destiny and i went back oh yeah i, I kind of was wondering that too when i first uh yeah it's because i forgot the dryad's name yeah it's not but i was thinking that at first i was like oh that's a cool callback and then i looked at it, i was like oh wait no it's not because that's not her okay anyway <laughs> <laughs> but it was really cool you know she's a badass archer uh, oh she's a great character too she's got so much um so many great lines and comebacks and, and, and is not afraid to express her opinion, yeah. even if it's a negative one. Sometimes she's self-deprecating where she'll insult that she has no education. 
But she's like, I'm just a dumb dryad. I have no education. I never went to school or whatever. What do <laughs> yeah. I know? It's uh, She's pretty awesome. I really like her. And yeah, I liked her character. She also felt to reflect a lot of the characters that we've seen before this, especially in the first two short story books. It kind of seemed like the same type of character. Do you, do you feel that way? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Well, what, one thing that's great is the we get background on her and what she's been doing is helping the Scoia'tael who are injured. She leads them to Brokilon where the Dryads heal them because, you know, they're friendly to elves. Why wouldn't they be? They're fighting the horrible humans. And she, uh, you know, frees them, lets them go back to what they were doing. And so that's kind of her job right now until she hears that... Uh, they need her help back in Brokilon, and there's a witcher that they need her to do a favor for. And immediately she's like, no, what? You know, like, I don't care about this guy. I don't want to put myself in danger because she's a spy. She can easily slip in and out of town and no one is suspicious of her. And then she can hear news and stuff and then carry it back to Brokilon because they don't have internet yet. So were you were you somewhat surprised by the level of disgust that she had for Geralt at, at the beginning? Yeah, I just I'm not really because I I like to think the broke uh, the dryads, although they have no problem with Geralt, she has seen nothing but war lately, and so she is kind of this disgust about any outside influence. Maybe yeah, she's kind of checked out on the whole human thing. I think. Yeah, yeah, and I think maybe that's it. It's not until she's a she's a total poser dryad though, because she's not <laughs> yeah. like really one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what, how great was it that Lady Ithne shows up from uh, Oh yeah, Sword of Destiny? And I was like, uh oh, she can't say no to Lady Ithne, can she? No, she can't. And and any chance that you get to hear Peter Kenny, the uh, the narrator, use his Ithne voice, which I would attempt, but it would come off very horrible. It's it's kind of a treat. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You couldn't say no to uh, Peter Kenny doing Lady Ithne either. <laughs> no, definitely. <laughs> uh, I what, there's one po- exchange where she has with Lady Ithne I liked, where she remembers when they found her. She was hanging upside down, like caught in a snare, and they were all laughing at her. She th- she was ready for they were going to kill her, and the dryads were laughing at her, helplessly swinging and crying. And she has that kind of memory that, like, wow, that was a really bad day that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was, was that the time, like, when she actually ran away from home? Yes, I believe so. And that's what's interesting the way Andre Subkovsky writes this is it starts out with Milva hunting, and then she remembers when she first met the Witcher, and then it's like a flashback, and then it's cut to, like, now, and then she remembers when she had a conversation with him, when he, uh, remember he's like plugged into the trees and they're like healing him with their like dryad magic yeah. and stuff. Uh, I thought that was interesting, but when he, she finally speaks with him is he wants to know what's going on. Basically he wants to know about Siri. He wants to know about Yennefer and what happened since then, Ed, because once Vilgefortz, uh, took his ass out, he doesn't know really, I think, what was it, Triss Marigold dropped him off there crying, and then she yeah. left. And it, it basically, she, she showed up there with him in, all in a panic, 
because he, she lo- basically loves Geralt and he was raving mad and uh, just in and out of consciousness because he just got his, like you said, his butt kicked by Vilgefortz. Yeah, and uh, so he doesn't know what's happened since then. I believe 10 days from when she first met him and then she returns. And by the way, she's also very worried that she's going to seem suspicious going into town now. She's been helping the Scoia'tael. And meanwhile, there's war everywhere. Anyone who's caught helping the Scoia'tael is put to death. So it's a really dangerous job she has, spying. Yes. And... uh, she, well, she she seems very kind of irritated that they would ask her to be put in such a dangerous position just for this dude she doesn't know, you know. And they're like, "Well, he's a friend of Brokilon." And she's like, "Well, he's not a friend of me." And she even tries to kind of um, really twist the knife and dig it in and make him feel bad about the people that he's so worried about. It's yeah. kind of rude when she tells him that the uh, the tower at Thaned was destroyed. And they found, and she kind of pauses, and Geralt just, you see his heart sink. They found nothing. And he's just like, oh, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. she thought well, what does that going to say, and they found Siri dead there. And he's just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, there was uh, blonde hair scattered all over the town. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, <laughs> like, that was too dramatic of a pause. Can you just say, and she's fine? Or, <laughs> like, yeah, they don't know definitely. where she is. But actually, she says she's actually in uh, Nilfgaard and she's about to be married. And so he's like, kind of, you know, of course, Geralt shows nothing, but, you know, internally, he's freaking out. And then some people believe that Yennefer disappeared with Vilgefortz because she was helping him. And we, we of course, know that can't be true, right? Yeah, That's yeah, another definitely. Thing about- no way about this book is we know uh, the way the last book ended, we weren't sure what happened to Yennefer and we never find out. And this book, they make you wait a long time, a long time. No Yennefer for, I mean, the first three quarters of the book, really. Yeah. And it's kind of like, Oh, okay. But uh, we'll get to that later. <laughs> I remember her. But what's funny is the last book, the previous book, uh, there was a, a bit there where, <laughs> Dandelion goes to meet Geralt in Brokilon. Remember, he's like afraid he's going to be killed and he starts singing. And then pretty soon he's surrounded by dryads and they all. Yeah, that that was one of my favorite parts of the last book because it showed him um, trying to put on the face that he was just it was like nonchalant and he was like super brave. And those guys were commenting about it you know like oh man look i wish i could be like him but he's freaking out inside yeah that was a great part what confused me though is at the end of that chapter he decides he tells Geralt, i'm going with you no matter what and so they leave so cut to this book that was you know the time of contempt cut to baptism of fire and Geralt is still in brokilon and uh then milva is going to help him and I was like, wait, I thought he already left. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought, too. I was I was a little bit confused about it. And I'm still a little bit confused as to where Dandelion, like, shows up, <laughs> you know, in all of this. Yeah, he's just um, there already. So what I yeah. think has happened is that stuff with Dandelion did happen. And this part is somewhere in there before they leave. And they actually do leave. Him and Dandelion do leave. And Milva decides she has to catch up with him. Remember, she yeah. uh, she's hunting, and then she runs into some Scoia'tael, and they're all gathering. And she realizes they're all going to go prepare for a battle. 
And she's like, the Witcher is planning on going into Nilfgaard, which is insane that he thinks he's going to ride all the way to Nilfgaard to save Ciri. Which is funny because you and I joked about what is the next book going to be him going all the way to Nilfgaard thinking it's Ciri. And then as this book begins, that's exactly it. I'm like, oh no. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The next three books are just like a wild goose chase. He's like, I'm almost to Nilfgaard. It's like, she's not even there, dude. (laughs) Who's this brunette? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He pulls off a wig. You're not (laughs) Ciri. I've ridden for three books to get here. <laughs> Damn it. And it's like, that's what the reader's been saying the whole time. Could you, yeah. somebody, what's funny, because there's even a few times in, in this book where someone finds out that, you know, that's not Siri. And it's like, will you tell him, please? And <laughs> yeah, exactly. That should be so the first sentence out of your mouth. Why are you saying other things right now? <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. I mean, it, this is a fun book, and it does make you, it take a while to get there. Uh, but there's a kind of a, a quick before a Milva leaves with him. It cuts over to Dykstra. Remember that guy? Yeah. Uh, and he's talking all about Milva and how they know exactly what she's doing and how she's spying and helping the uh, the um, Scoyatel. So she's kind of gonna be in trouble if they decide they want her out of the picture. Well, she's not quite as crafty as she thinks she is. You know, she thinks she's still the anonymous person. But it seems to me that Dykstra knows. I mean, he knows everything about everybody almost, but he knows a lot about her. Yeah, I mean, we get he's decided they don't need to take her out or anything at the moment, but they know everything about her. Well, yeah, and he's still wanting, holding a, a massive personal grudge against Geralt for breaking his leg in the last book. Yeah. And then, Di- yeah, he. I don't think he's a fan of <laughs> Geralt. No, I love the whole part where he's like, I had to, I lost face with Philippa. I, I, I was, I had to whimper for two weeks and beg her for a spell. And I think they're kind of broken up now, it seems. Yeah, he's still kind of reporting to her. Like, he meets with this other, this guy, I forget his name, Shallard or something from Nilfgaard. And all that guy wants to know, you know, he's just like, do you know anything about this guy named Kahir? Uh, he's got the whole name, like Kahir Mar or something. <laughs> I wrote it down here somewhere, but you know how, like, he has this super long name he keeps mentioning? Like, I am... Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kahir Mar something something. We'll get there, and I'll say his whole name because uh, in my notes I write the whole Oh, you got it written it down. Okay, that's good. I thought you were going to take that from memory, and I was... I was going to be really impressed. He's the son of celac, which makes me think of celiac's disease. You know, you can't have <laughs> gluten. Uh, no, I did not know that was what that was called, but that's good. <laughs> but the guy just wants to know anything about K here. And Dystra's like, I don't even know who that is. Sorry. And then he immediately reports to Philippa that I think something's up here. Yeah. And it seems like he's very distraught and something about like when he mentioned Queen Cirilla, like you must be very happy that you have Princess Cirilla. And he's just like, oh, yes. And Dykstra's reading him that like something's off here. I need to tell Philippa this. So we know that's going on in the background there. And what else? What I also love about what Andrei Subkovsky does is he kind of just gives you little tidbits, like a little paragraph here that we know will pay off in the next book or something. He's just yeah. kind of breadcrumbing it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Which is awesome. 
Oh yeah, it make, makes you kind of wonder like how much of this he has down beforehand. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like I know he's outlined it and everything like that, but has he outlined everything? Like the entire story? That that that's what I often wonder with the guys yeah, like him. I know him some writers Steven. are exploratory writers. They just write as uh-huh. they go, and then they edit down the massive amount of stuff they've written. Or some they kind of write an outline. So I'm. He's got to outline this stuff, I would think. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. So before we get back to uh, Geralt and them, we have a quick little... Philippa has, like, a conference phone call. Like, the first ever, like, holographic phone conference, which I thought was pretty funny. I was like, they're basically Skype conferencing right now. Yeah, exactly. They're doing what we're doing. We're yeah. using magic. Yeah, this is magic. She's in Monte Calvo. And she's having a conference with the guests that they're all sorceress women, Kira, Triss, Margarita, Sabrina, Shiala, I don't know if I'm saying that right, Francesca Findebear, and Asir Anahed. And Philippa wants a new chapter of mages, but she wants it to be all women because men and their passions and stuff, they kind of get in the way of things, right? Yeah, it's, it's the, the classic uh, re- reverse argument about oh well a woman can't be president because of this and that that's like well yeah he's using the same thing i think just vilga forts he was a man and he screwed everything up so yeah i think that's what it is <laughs> polit they want to be politically neutral oh men's ambitions lead to dismay is what she says <laughs> <laughs> yeah which is kind of true and she's going to the what's funny is the two uh francesca and uh, a seer who is also She's a, uh, is she Nilfgaardian? Francesca, she's Elven, but Asir, maybe she's Elven too. I don't know. I think she, yeah, I'm not sure. But the, I don't quite remember that. She's basically saying you get uh, to choose someone to be in a seat, and I have a choice for someone in a seat. And right there, you're thinking she means probably Siri. Like I was suspecting that. That's what I was suspecting as well. I don't know how they're going to do that, and we don't know. I, what, I think never, Asir is Nilfgaardian. Oh, okay. What's funny is they never say Siri or Yennefer, but that's, you know who they're talking about. And Kira, Kiera, I don't know how you say her name. She uh, does not like Yennefer. She's pretty sure that Yennefer's working with Vilgaforts, which, of course, as we're reading the book, we're like, she is not. Yeah, I I was hoping that they were going to make an exception about the no men on the council and bring Stregobor back, because I just kind (laughs) of missed that guy. It's like, oh, that guy, come on. (laughs) Or Istrid. Yeah, Istrid too. Now, we also get a quick glimpse of Ciri. We don't get a lot of Ciri here, because whenever we see Ciri, it's because Geralt is dreaming about her. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah, that's that's weird. You know, like all of a sudden these dreams start showing up. And I don't think we've really seen anything like that from Geralt before. Him having premonitions or, or, or visions or anything like that. Have we? No, not like that. It's just like whenever he's asleep, it'll cut to Siri and like this guy Tuzak is waiting for the rats. He's kind of scoping out this town. As they arrive and the rats like to throw people like coins and stuff, the villagers. And they're like, oh, you know, they kind of wait on them hand and foot because they throw them things that they've stolen. And so they're kind of, you know, nice about that. And you see Siri, she's actually Falka. And uh, 
we get kind of an idea she's still with the rats there. But then uh, Geralt and Dandelion are caught in a massive downpour. And they find these guys called hawkers who are, uh, you know, it's during wartime, they sell like weapons and stuff to the Scoia'tael for, I guess, a, a, (laughs) a high price. And the, they actually have a coffin there, and these Nilfgaard ride up. What's funny is they think Geralt and uh, Dandelion are elves when they ride up, because they're kind of covered up in, like, hoods. And yeah. they're like, oh, come here, elves, we have something to show you. And they've got swords and stuff. And, then, and this is where we get our first uh, taste of the Peter Kinney stupid jerks voice. It comes very, <laughs> very quick in this book. Where. Were you like, ah, oh, yeah, this is... This. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I checked that one off the list, you know, for my uh, my Witcher bingo sheet. Eventually, someone in this book is referred to as a beanpole. <laughs> exactly. Happen. That was the center square. So that's good. Were you like, oh, Witcher bingo, I win. <laughs> exactly. That was funny. Uh, so the, the Nof Guardians are there for the package, basically. They're there for the coffin because there's somebody inside of it. And the poor merchant, he's like, here, I'll pay for everything you have. Come closer. And he's like, oh, okay. Let me just wander over here. And then he's killed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, he's so excited because the guy starts throwing stuff out of the cart. And he's like, hey, that's all good stuff. And the guy's like, I'll pay for all of it. And then, you know, gets a, a crossbow bolt through the head, I think. Yeah, not good. Those guys are jerks. And yeah. Then, uh, Geralt has to spring into action, but one thing that we learn here that will bother him the entire book is he's not completely healed and his leg is killing him. <laughs> yeah. So, what was it, like a femur clean break or something? I like, think so, yeah. I think he shattered his femur. Yeah, so he's like uh, miserable pretty much the entire book. And so while he's fighting, he realized, like his leg gives out. And he's about to get killed until Milva shows up and she takes out all these guys. They yeah. like three of them charge her and she picks them off before they even arrive to her. So yeah. she's pretty badass. Well, one thing it says also is that he hasn't had his witcher's elixirs for weeks, it said. Yeah. All, all of the things that kind of give him special powers. So while he is an amazing, great fighter, he's not fighting at full capacity even without those. And he's got the gimpy leg. So he has to rely on Milva to take all of them out. What's interesting is we know that uh, whatever horse he gets, he names him Roach. But where is Roach number one, and where is his that, That's what sword? I'm saying. This was by far my least favorite Roach. <laughs> yeah, this Roach is skittish, it kept it keeps saying. But another thing is, like, Roach number one has his silver sword that he uses to fight monsters. Where the hell is that at? We know that his other sword got destroyed by Vilgefortz. So now he has just some elf sword. And like, yeah, so so the silver witcher sword, he must have lost it, right? In the fight with Vilgefortz also? Well, it, he only, it only said that he had his main witcher sword, the iron sword, I believe. His steel sword. Oh, so the silver sword is... The, yeah, I don't know where that He doesn't use that to fight humans, usually. He uses it to fight beasts. I'm wondering if that roach is in, like, a stable somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's at another save point. It's at a livery. Somebody's just taking care of it, I guess. Yeah. But another thing is in this, I love whenever Geralt meets up with somebody. Like, for instance, Milva, she already knows that he's trying to go to the Yoruga River. Uh, he wants to cross it and go to Nilfgaard. 
And so she's like, this is insane. And I love how Dandelion's like, well, I'm going with him. He's my friend, you know? Yeah. And I also love that Dandelion is riding a, it just describes it as a fat horse. (laughs) (laughs) And his horse is named Pegasus. And I love that he has this kind of yeah, his majestic name for his horse. And the horse is described as it'll only do what it wants to. It won't do like no matter how much you like kick it or whatever, it won't ride faster. It'll just go as fast as it wants to. That's hilarious. How what more can be said about how great Dandelion is in this? Oh, he, he's he's the best part. I mean, for me anyway, because it, it, like I said, it had been a while since we got a lot of uh, un adult, you know, just. Uh, this much dandelion and it really made the book very very enjoyable he must be such a fun character to write too yeah so they open the coffin and inside it's Kahir Mar Diffrin son of Seelock <laughs> there you go it is the the guy the black knight who was chasing Siri that in the last book she uh, kicked his ass basically and when Geralt was going to kill him he said that I'm the one who saved her from Sintra so he lets him live so here he is. And what we learn is that um, M here of our Emrys is pissed. You know, we learned that in the last book, but he's pissed because they sent him a, a fake Siri and Vilgefortz or Riantz or uh, K here. He just pictures they're all in league against him and they've played a practical joke on him. He's pissed and he wants them all put to death, right? So, well, it sounds like anybody from any mission who didn't accomplish what they were supposed to accomplish is kind of on his, uh, you know, his hit list. Yeah. And so he was, Kay here was there to be delivered. That Those Nilf Guardians were coming to pick him up and they were going to take him to Nilfgaard where he would have been put to death. So essentially they've saved him. And I love Geralt says that I spared your life once and now I've spared your life twice. If I see you a third time, I'll cut you down like a dog. And it's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's it, like did, we had mentioned in the last book that there was going to be something about this guy. You know, like Geralt has let him go several times. We're going to see him again. I wasn't quite like thinking that we were going to see him quite so soon, for one, and that he would play such a big part in this entire book. Right, because based on what Siri saw of him when she was little, he seems like this evil, you know, devil incarnate after her. Yeah, he's the manifestation of all of her fears of that one thing, but it just turns out he's just some dude. Yeah, and that's, he wants to find Siri too, and he wants to help Geralt, but Geralt is very stubborn in this part of the book. Yeah, I would I would totally agree. He's not um, very open to accepting any help from anyone else, even though he's basically crippled and has no idea really where he's going. Right. So as they're traveling south, they see a lot of grim imagery here of the aftermath of all the battles. They see dead peasants and you know townsfolk and soldiers and fires. Just like it's pretty grim out there, isn't it? Yeah, and it's funny. I, I, I'm not sure if this is the part in the book, but uh, it's it's where Dandelion, like they basically talk about how they're desensitized to it, and Dandelion just keeps saying, you know, it's like a whorehouse that's on fire. And they're like, yeah, we know. You've said that like 10 times. <laughs> yeah, that is great. And it's funny, the, you reminded me, is there's a quote before a chapter where it's from uh, Dandelion's book, and he's talking about, I've met many soldiers. I've met many 
generals and as they prepare for war. And no matter how much they prepare, they don't know how to live through something like this. It's a lot yeah. like a whorehouse on fire or something like that. And it's just like, he did it again. Like, he loves that quote so much. He's he loves that metaphor, that simile. That metaphor, he's like, I'm putting that in a book someday. And he does. <laughs> and there's this great part as they're writing that uh, Geralt's mad at himself for letting Kahir go. Kahir. I don't know. How does Peter Kenny say his name? Kahir. Kahir. He he's kind of mad of him, mad at himself for letting K here go, and he says, "I'm getting old. I'm starting to develop." Yeah, he gave us another one of those, which was great. Yeah, he says, "I'm starting to develop scruples," and Milba goes, "I. It can happen. Lung work can help. And until then, put a cushion <laughs> on your saddle." And Dandelion <laughs> yeah, is like, awesome. "Scruples are not the same as piles." And she's like, oh, "I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just uh, like, Nova's like, how am I supposed to know what the hell you guys are going on about? I don't know. And then uh, this is a great moment where they hear singing amidst all this horrible carnage. And they get to meet Zoltan Shive. He pronounced it Zoltan Chive. Chive. Okay, that's good. With Field Marshal Windbag. Yes. He's a parrot, right? Yes, he's a very uh, boisterous parrot. Zoltan describes him as a foreign bird. <laughs> <laughs> this is where like the real joy of this story started taking place. It's funny because he'll say like "uck and l" or something like he'll uh-huh. say like uh, swears, but it's kind of like broken swears, like "ucken." It's hilarious. Yeah. So we get to meet Zoltan Monroe, Yazon Varda, Caleb Stratton. Figgis Merluza. Don't you love that he gives them first and last names? Yeah, I do. And Percival Schuttenbach, who is a nun. Yeah, he was, yeah, I loved him. He was great. And they're leading a bunch of women and children who, uh, they're widows, basically. And they're helping lead them to safety. And Zoltan kind of describes that they're in front of an army and they're behind another army. So they're kind of traveling in an eye of a storm of danger, basically. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was uh, kind of interesting. Basically, there's peril everywhere, and they're just trying to stay away from it to lead these people. And there's uh, some great bits in the book about how the women try to stay away from the, the, the dwarves. <laughs> Disgusted by these uh, dwarves who are <laughs> all they want to do is just help them. Yeah, because dwarves, they will happen to, if they've got to go, they'll just go right there. And they will just pee in front of everyone. And yeah, they're they're not the most um, uh, their their level of etiquette is not very high, but they still are leading you to safety. Yeah, they're not bashful, and it's funny because Milva even kind of explains like, well, maybe you shouldn't be exposing yourself in front of these women. And he's like, you know, dwarves don't trust another dwarf who can't expose himself. What is he hiding? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. hey, you need to pee in the bushes. Why? What exactly are you hiding there, buddy? Yeah. So she's like, no, you need to go off in the bushes. And it's funny because even later on, like some of the dwarves are complaining that they have to stop and actually walk into the woods. I mean, come yeah. on. Well, didn't they say that they all decided to go together when they would do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. Zoltan is great. He's a great character. It made me miss Yarpin Zigrin. Exactly. It, that, that's what it felt like to me was was Yarpin Zigrin. And I love how Zoltan complains about Mahakim, where the dwarves are from. 
and how the leader of the dwarves, how he doesn't really believe in how he's running things. But at the same time, if anybody says anything bad about their dwarven uh, nation or whatever, he's very, you know, they're very defensive. But he's allowed to complain about it himself. Well, yeah, he says he'll never go back there as long as that that guy's in power because he's basically, it's he's a tyrant. He wants to control absolutely everything they do. Right. And there's even a great part where they're they ask uh, Geralt about his sword, and he's like, "It's an elven blade." And there's like, "Ah, it's crap." Look at this. <laughs> yeah. This was made in my homeland. It's like this beautiful sword. Did you say it was called the Sial blade? A, a Sial. A Sial blade. Sial. How it was made in Mahakam, where they're from. Uh, yeah, he, he pronounced it uh, Mahakam. Mahakam. Where yeah, the, Mahakam, the dwarves like are great metallurgists and they make. Yeah, I just remembered weapons. it as Mount Carbon. That was the. the the um, location yeah. that I attached myself to. Right. And he explains how no side, like no guards don't want to upset the dwarves. Nobody wants to upset the dwarves and mess with them because they crank out the best weapons. Right. Yeah. Well, it was, uh, yeah, basically they were saying they, um, when the elves, uh, when, when humans came, the elves just thought that they would kind of show up and disappear and then they decided to start fighting them. And what uh, Zoltan says is that the dwarves did another tactic, and they decided to subjugate humans economically. And so that's like, what are you saying? If the, if the uh, humans decide to attack Mount Carbon, they'll just flood the mines and flood everything, and then they won't have any re- – like nobody will have the dwarven resources that they are able to provide. Yes, and it says that the Sile is an advanced metallurgy with dwarven runic magic. And it says, is inscribed on it, may they perish to their doom and whoresons. Or more <laughs> yeah. death to the MFers. I love that it says that on his sword. So the reason I'm bringing this up about the sword is because they find a couple of huts and he sends two two of the guys towards the huts when a girl comes out and yells at them and they run back and they're like the plague they have the plague and they're all trying to stay away from it because what was it percival because he's a gnome and he can smell real well he's like i smell food and they're like Mm -hmm. go towards these huts and it turns out the plague's there so they have to go away but these 12 men arrive and they're bandits. So when the girl comes out to warn them, they just take her and they're dragging her off to, you know, have their way with her. And, you know, Geralt, he's frustrated. He can't find Siri. His leg hurts all the time. He decides, I'm going to kill these men. Zoltan even gives him his sword. He's like, I'm not going to go near that plague, but here, you can have this. And he, so he takes a sword and he starts cutting the guys down while Milva starts taking him out with arrows. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really cool scene, him killing these It was a cool scene. And her, she even shoots one of the, you know, I, lack of a better term, one of the rapers. She shoots him in his crotch with an arrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. And uh, one guy gets away and they're like, it's unfortunate one of them got away. And then they hear a scream and it's the guy who got away he's being cut down by somebody and it, they assume it's K here following them because well, she tries to, she tries to shoot him first. Right. And, and hits yeah. him and, uh, but gets him like through the shoulder or something like that. So he takes off into the forest and Geralt's irritated that she didn't shoot the horse. 
<laughs> yeah. Because there's a part where Kay here arrives and he's like, kill his horse. And Milva's like, no, that horse <laughs> yeah. didn't do anything to anyone. And he's like, uh, if you don't leave here, I'm going to kill you or whatever. And Kay's like, uh -huh. fine. And he's like, I'll kill your horse. And so he's like, no. And he rides away and he scares them off mm -hmm. again. But he's still following them the entire time, which I think is funny. Uh, one part that I think is funny after they save the girl. She says nothing to them, and Zoltan's like, oh, real grateful there, you know? <laughs> she's, yeah. That girl's dealing with a family that have the plague, so she's... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and she, they're like, uh, they're like, um, well, what does she have to be grateful for? And he's like, all the horse meat. She's not going to starve, and she doesn't have to kill her cow. That is true. She should be very thankful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, then they, uh, I think this is chapter three. They see a tree with human bodies hanging from it. And there are signs on the dead bodies. Like it says, Nilfgaardian whore, etc. You know, people are real inventive at this time. But uh, yes. Geralt notices that the feet have been gnawed on. And he's saying that basically ghouls have started eating the, they could be lurking about eating on the dead, which is really gross, isn't it? It is gross, and we hear about the ghouls, and we hear that that's probably what caused it, but we never really find out what actually was chewing on the on the dead bodies, do we? Yeah, there is a creature that they run into. I, I forgot to take notes of this. Do you remember there's one part where a girl's like, stay back. This creature is very dangerous. Oh, yeah. I don't remember the name of it, though. Yeah, and... Uh, they scare it off basically, but he's like, yeah, he, he whacks the ladle with on the pot or the pan lid. Yeah. And he starts uh, going clang, 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 clang. And they're like, you just alerted to everyone that there's someone over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're going to break my ladle. <laughs> and he's basically like that thing could have killed all of us because it's super fast. And, uh, so like, Oh, so okay. you think that might've been what was gnawing on the feet of the dead people? Maybe because we never get a ghoul. We never get yeah. a ghoul. We're promised. I was like, where's my ghoul, Andre? What's funny is they're hauling this cart that they found the whole time. And I love at one point the cart gets uh, plummets down a hill and crashes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it makes it seem like some of the dwarves are like, let's get rid of this damn cart. And they shove it over on purpose, you know. Mm -hmm. But Zoltan uh, tells some of them to stay behind to bury stuff because yeah they're, they're being very um cryptic about what's going like what is inside the cart yeah we don't find out till later that it's actually um they've got some kind of something worth a lot that they don't want anyone to see yeah oh this is when they arrive at an ancient elven burial ground and everyone is terrified like there are ghouls out and we're hiding in a place where they're dead people this is not yeah. good and Geralt's like this is perfectly safe all these bodies are way too old to be food. And Percival says, I saw something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And they go, all go invest, investigate. And that's when we find out. What's funny is when they first introduced uh, Regis. How, do, how does uh, Peter Kenny say his name? Regis. Regis. When we first, what's funny is it could be Regis, like Regis Philbin. It's spelled. <laughs> is that how way. it's spelled? Like Regis? The way, yeah. Oh man, if it's played by Regis in the in the uh, hello the show, that would be amazing. When they first uh, like 
introduced him, I was like, is he some kind of mole man that lives underground or something? <laughs> like, I picture him with these tiny glasses, like, with tiny uh-huh. eyes, like, hello. But he's just hiding from them. And they always talk about how he emits this interesting smell of herbs. He smells like herbs and spices, I guess. Well, here, here's my, my question about this, okay? Regis is a very interesting character. Do you think that he set this whole thing up? Because, uh, you know what I'm saying? Or do you think that he just was uh, happened upon by accident? I don't know. I mean, uh, like, has he been following him the whole time, you mean? Well, the thing, okay, so here's the, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but he's a vampire, right? That's what we find out ends up happening. And he's an amazing character. He's awesome. He's nothing you would think a vampire would be. But... He has the ability to vanish, right? Yes. But is that only on a full moon that he has the ability to vanish? Or can he vanish at any time? And when he was hiding in the bushes, he could have just vanished. I believe what he said was he can only fly on a full moon. So that's why I kind of wondered what the heck was going on. If he was really hiding, like... He could have just vanished and they wouldn't have ever found him. Right. I'm like, did he put himself in that bush to be found I mean, because he wants to be part of this party because that he knows what they're actually doing? Yeah. I mean, he says he's out hunting. Uh, he's collecting Mandrake and uh, maybe he's lonely. I don't know. He's all alone there and he sees all these people there and he invites them to his shack where he produces elixirs and stuff, and it turns out that he has he distills moonshine, which I thought <laughs> yeah. this part was great. Is they're so it excited, like this is moonshine, and they all just start drinking it and getting uh, totally wasted. Yeah. And one of my favorite parts is that Dandelion drinks <laughs> so much that he's like, "Gerald is a witcher, and we're going to <laughs> we're going to Nofgard to find Siri, his destiny." And he's like. Can I talk to you for a second? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the part where he's, he's like, actually thrilled. Where he's like, "You're a blabbermouth." He actually calls him a blabbermouth. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Well, it's funny because there's there's a bit of like truth serum in the uh, the mandrake. Like it, it, that's one of the pro- the properties of it. So everybody's just kind of spilling their guts as to like yeah. what's actually going on. What's funny is there's kind of this weird, uh, these myths about Mandrake that it screams when you pull it from the ground. <laughs> yeah. And that it will actually kill you because it emits a toxic uh, hallucinogen. And he's like, well, actually, they don't scream, but that part is true. So you need uh, to be very careful when pulling them because it's hallucinogen and people, they hallucinate. Maybe it's screaming or whatever. It's not actually. Well, and here we, we also get like, um, you remember when, when they were trying to uh, to get rid of Torqua in The Last Wish and they yeah. she gave him this whole big thing about what they were supposed to do. You know, you give them the iron balls instead of the, like they, they had something like this for like you had to attach a rope to a pig and then yeah. like. And so it was this big elaborate thing that really didn't make any sense. I love it when the story has those types of bits of folklore that yeah. aren't necessarily true, but still kind of color the world. Yeah, it's like uh, the mandrake is cursed. If you pull it, you'll die. So what you do is you tie a string to a pig and have the pig pull it out. Then you're home free. Yeah, because then it'll just kill the pig and not you. <laughs> yeah. 
it's really silly. And uh, I remember as um, Geralt actually passes out from drinking so much, he dreams of Siri dancing on a table and having fun at a bar with the rats. And as the book goes on, you realize that everything that he's dreaming about her is actually really happening. He's not having like a vision. He's like seeing exactly what she's doing. And the same thing with her later yeah, on. Yeah, she's seeing what he's go what what he's doing too. Yeah. Is there anything more from this part that you can remember other than it's just uh, I thought it was not, awesome. Not really. It w- it was very fun and we kind of uh you know, it, it was it was a lot of fun. We didn't really find out at this point that that um uh, that he was a vampire yet. I kind of spoiled that for everyone. Sorry. But uh <laughs> Well, if anyone's listening we, to this, they've hopefully read the book. Hopefully. Yeah, exactly. My, one of my favorite parts is when they run into the group of peasants who are vampire hunting. And that's the, the best part is like the book promises you there's going to be a vampire in this book. And you're like, ooh, ooh, ooh this is going to be awesome because they're yeah, hunting exactly. a vampire. And this is where we're introduced to Cloggy. <laughs> yeah, Cloggy. Well, hold on. Before, before, you, um, before we move on to Cloggy. At the beginning of this chapter, he does one of those things where he quotes another book, and it was about a vampire. When that happened, I was immediately thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to have something kind of like the Strigger fight. This is going to yeah. be amazing. And it did not turn out at all like I thought it was going to. He kind of turns the vampire thing on his head, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, it was really cool, though. I, I didn't really uh, expect that at Don't- all. Don't humans come off so stupid in these books? Oh yeah, he's got a lot of contempt for humans in these uh, <laughs> in these books. I love they're they're going to hunt uh, for a vampire who's been something's been killing their people. Which, by the way, we never really find out what is. Yeah, there's definitely like a, we saw the uh, the feet being gnawed on, and there, there's something in there there's something going on there but we just haven't really figured it out yet and i love that uh the one of the guys is like you there to milva give us your horse we need it to hunt for this vampire she's like i'm not giving you my horse <laughs> she's like and they're like what if milva goes along she'll help you find the vampire and she's like what and he's like no we don't need a woman a woman belongs in the kitchen or having babies <laughs> yeah. and she like gets so pissed when he says that <laughs> that she punches him and, he, and they, they, they think she's killed him. Yeah, he falls and hits his head on a rock, and he's like, "He's dead! You killed him!" Yeah, but but it wasn't like uh, th- their main thing was like pay us blood money. Like yeah. they weren't even really worried about Cloggy to find out if he actually was dead. They go immediately into like you know you got to pay us blood money. What's so funny is you don't even know his name's Cloggy yet. He's just the peasant guy. They give him a name later. And when you find out his name, it's hilarious because uh, they they find a camp where all the women and children that have been with him the entire time uh, find their family members there. And they're price gougers, like everything from horse food to whatever is like sky high prices. And they're like, this is ridiculous. Like They're even making them pay to have their horses go and drink from the, the river. Yeah. They've like have it like fenced off, <laughs> you know. They're like, this is ridiculous. And there's one little girl who like uh, Milva's kind of like braiding her hair, and she's nice to her. And Zoltan's kind of pissed because none of the women ever thank them for seeing them through this horrible land to find anyone. 
But the little girl comes up. She's like, she basically says, my mom says you're disgusting, but I don't think so. You're a great guy. Thanks for helping Oh, her, her, her part, like what she actually says, I don't know if you have it written down there, but it was like, I don't think you're like actually a... Uh, like a grubbing little weasel or something like yeah. all, these, all these really horrible things. And you're not a strumpet. You're fancy Milva. Yeah, that was great. And uh, Percival's like, hold on here. I have something for you. And he gives her an emerald, like something that's priceless <laughs> Yeah, to a little girl. And she's like, ooh, pretty. And that's when the peasants come up and they're like demanding money for Cloggy. Oh, this is where they were asking for money for Cloggy. That's right. Yeah. yeah. They wanted blood money. When Zoltan's like getting ready, he's like brandishing his axe. He's about to just kill these people. Geralt's <laughs> like, hey, why don't we uh, take us to your leader? Let's talk to him. And they're like, all right, come on. And so they go and it's the priest who's tied a woman to a cart saying she's a witch. Yeah. She is in cahoots with a vampire. <laughs> And it's that whole thing, like, uh, we need to set her on fire. He's trying to, like, get them all worked up where they basically are going to set this lady on fire. Well, they, they seem pretty worked up. They, they they wouldn't mind setting her on fire. Yeah, and I think it's even the, the main guy who's kind of running the show for the uh, other peasants. He's, like, kind of skeptical. He's like, I don't know about this. Yeah. <laughs> and so he asked for proof, right? Yeah. And I love the proof. He was like, she made a soup out of a cat. Oh, I love that. Look, there's, those are cat bones. And Zoltan's like, those are bird bones. He's like, yeah. no, it's a cat. She is a black cat. Oh, we, I think, what is it? Percival? He's like, is the cat a black cat? And he's like, yeah. How did you know? Cause it's sitting right there. And the cat's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They said the cat is like cleaning his rump, not uh-huh. paying attention to any of that. I thought that was great. That was fun. Very comical, but also scary that they a mob is going to burn this lady alive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Until, until Geralt is like, no, actually, there's some kind of trial we can do where we fight in her honor. And I was like, no, no, I can tell you're a killer. That's not fair. And that he's like, uh, somebody he needs to take this white hot horseshoe in this fire and bring it to me without burning their hands. Because that was a very specific thing. (laughs) (laughs) And so basically, if you were to stick your hand in there and your hand burns, that means you're a witch too and they need to kill you too. So, uh, Regis, 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 (laughs) what did you say he called him again? It's Regis. The the way I... I'm sorry, Regis. In the book, as I was reading it, I was like, there's no way this is Regis, like Regis Philbin. I'm going yeah. to pronounce it Regis. So I pronounced it Regis in my head, you know. Yeah. He reaches in and he has the horseshoe and uh, he's like, see, I have it. As you can see, no tricks here. And he, I'm not burnt. And the guy's like, you're the devil. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, oh, come on. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't do anything. But this is when Nilfgaard arrives. Yeah. This is like perfect timing for an attack, because okay. it seemed like the uh, the the mob was still kind of on the side of the priest, didn't it? They were could kind of go either way. I thought mm-hmm. it could be a mess no matter what, but instead exactly. it's a, a giant like stampede of everyone running in fear. And I love this. Geralt hears Dandelion saying, "Help! Help me, <laughs> Geralt!" 
and Geralt has to grab him and try to pull him in. But then he gets hit by first like a bale of hay and knocked over. And then a wagon crashes and knock, covering him in flour and he can't see he's blind. <laughs> and I love the dandelion's like, Geralt, it's a battle. Nilf guardians are fighting. And he's like, what, where? And he's like, he's, his like eyes are covered in flour. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't like, there, there's so many, especially in this book, the battle scenes, I can't wait to see what they're like on the show. Like, I hope the oh, show does them justice because they're, they're so much fun. I just I I want there to be the humor that's in these books in the show. Exactly. And that might turn off some people, but people who've read the books know that there's a lot of humor in in these books. Yeah, it's definitely it's not as serious as you think it would be. Yeah, and Geralt, Geralt's like uh, hide under the wagon. They won't you know they won't see you. And uh, he's like, no, no. If we just lay still, I've read that horses won't trample humans. They'll step over them. And he's like. I don't know if these horses have read the same stuff you've read. <laughs> <laughs> and, and sure enough, he gets kicked in the head and knocked unconscious by a horse. And that's when it cuts to Siri screaming in her sleep. And it's funny, uh, one of the guys, one of the rats is mad and he comes over to Missile and he's like, you know, I never judge you for what you are doing over here. But that sound was ridiculous. And she's like, what did you think we were doing? She's screaming. She's having a nightmare. And he's like, oh, oh, okay. (laughs) And they're like, "Uh, Falka, what's wrong? And she's like, someone I once knew was trampled by horses and I felt their pain. And it's just like, oh, wow. She feels all of this. And when she says someone I once knew, do you think she's kind of her whole mind has gone into this Falka persona where she's kind of forgetting where she comes from. What yeah, it really, on? it really seems like when she got cut off from magic in the desert, when she, when she played with fire uh, or when she tried to channel through fire, like something in her brain clicked to where she's almost, uh, she's not operating as Siri anymore. Yeah. I can't wait. I to got, the, I got, I got that feeling as well. I can't wait to get into more of that or what's going on with her. Uh, but Geralt and Dandelion are basically captured. And this is a fantastic part where Dandelion's, Dandelion's like, Geralt, let me do all the talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he notices that they're decorated with lilies, their armor, and that they're the Temerian army. Dandelion tells them that he is a famous poet. And uh, it's so funny. He's like... Uh, Geralt, you just need to act like you're above them so they know you're not a common peasant. (laughs) Oh, yeah, this part was great. He's talking down to them, and they're, like, getting scowls on their faces and tightening their grips on their swords and stuff. And he's like, oh, well, what do you have that look for? And he even says something like, uh, people make that face when they need to take a shit (laughs) or something. And they're like, that's it, grab him, and we'll have no more of this. (laughs) Well, it's funny, like when they take them to go see the captain or uh, whoever it was, like yeah. they're like, they're spies. He's like, it's not spies. I just love how they, I don't how they know how they would arrive at the conclusion that Dandelion was a spy yeah, for Nilfgaard. Love, it kind of describes he's trying to look, uh, he's kind of putting on airs, trying to see like, he's like this uh, nobleman, but he's covered in flour at the same time and he looks ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah. So he's like turning up his nose to them. 
Uh, Daniel Echeverry is the guy that knows Dandelion. And he's like, oh, free them. They're not spies. Uh, and uh, he introduces Geralt as Gerald. Like, yeah, he's, he's um, Geraldus. Geraldus. Yeah. Is what it was. He's like, oh, I've read him before. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful words. And, and I was waiting for there to be a scene where, Geraldus, please sing for us. And, <laughs> That's what I was hoping for as well. And he's like, um, okay. How am I going to do this? But that never happened. Because this other jerk shows up. Visigurd. Marshal Visigurd seizes Geralt. He he basically says all this stuff that's happened to Sintra, and he blames Geralt for pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's Geralt's fault that his wife, uh, Pavetta, married this other guy and had Ciri, and now he probably even gave up Ciri to Nilfgaard, and uh, Dandelion's like, that's not true. Yeah, he's not at all a fan of Geralt at all i mean like like you said he goes and blames him for everything and has some very unflattering things to say about calanthe and that whole uh line yeah like even some of the men who are very pro centra they're like dude this is yeah cool man the stuff he's saying he's basically like they're a bunch of whores you know and they're like whoa, yeah. whoa dude come on so they don't really he doesn't really have all of his men because in fact you find out that some of his men have deserted him and he's very like uh kind of um sensitive about that <laughs> that <laughs> some of his men left him because they Well didn't. yeah, when 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 they found out what happened with Siri, like they uh they just decided to to abandon the the yeah. army and I think they said he lost like 3000 men yeah, out of like 9000. Fight for this guy. I mean, yeah. that's the point. So he also tells Geralt that he's going to hang him. So uh, everybody got scattered. We don't know what happened to Zoltan and the rest of the dwarves. Uh, but Milva, she is trying to find her... Uh, like, all the horses got stolen. And she went to go find the horses. And uh, she catches up to some of the peasants who... One of them is riding Pegasus. And I think it's funny because it describes when he's like, come on, like, why won't this thing go faster? And so she <laughs> easily catches up to Pegasus and knocks him off. And mm -hmm. I love that the guy that she knocks on the ground, he's like, hey, it's Cloggy, the same guy she punched earlier. <laughs> yeah. And she kicks him in the face and uh, she's basically going to beat the crap out of him. But they kind of all hop off their horses and they're they're gonna beat milva yeah well she gets overconfident she thinks that just because they're peasants she can like wipe the floor with all of them but it, it's not necessarily the case yeah when there's a bunch of people it's kind of hard to fight them off but luckily k here shows up and saves her and i i like this that k here turns out to be something different than you thought he was uh much like uh regus does too we're not sure what to think of him He's something else. He well, I, ha I have thoughts on that. Like when it comes to the entire party, right? Uh, the, the four of them with Geralt, not so much Dandelion, but Geralt, uh, Regis, Kay here and Milva. They're all like kind of, um, they, they belong to a certain people group, but they're outcasts of that group. You know what I'm saying? Right. They don't quite fit into the group the way that uh, you think they would. Kind of like how Geralt, 
doesn't necessarily fit into human society either. He's just kind right. of right to the outside. Did you get that vibe yeah. from all of them? Kind of like Zoltan, they're dwarves, but they don't feel like they belong where all the dwarves live. Yeah, they're operating on the outside of this other group, even though they still identify with that group. Like, uh, um, uh, what is it? Milva, she... she is a dryad. She works with the dryads, but she's not quite a dryad, you know? Right. And Kay here, they're like, you're a Nilfgaardian. He's like, actually, I'm not a Nilfgaardian. I'm from this other place that's near Nilfgaard, but it's not actually Nilf. I love how, like, he's always like, he's a Nilfgaardian yeah. who's not a Nilfgaardian, <laughs> you know? And so each of them kind of have, they don't. Well, I, I also, I love how Dandelion is trying to like catch him. You know, and he's like, at one point he's like back home in Nilfgaard. He's like, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, that is great. <laughs> Aha. I got you there. You just said you're from Nilfgaard. He's like, well, I, it's, it's easier to just describe it that way, but I'm not actually from Nilfgaard. And they just go into it again. So she's grateful to Kay here for saving her. And he, she asks him why, What's funny is because we get this answer several times from people like Geralt, but why are you following us? And he's like, it's a long story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, yeah, we, we got, it's a long story on a lot of different things. But a lot of times, uh, Sapkowski will do this where it's a long story and then cut to, and then it kind of tells the story of this, uh, elf with a scarred face. Do you remember this guy's name? Oh yeah! Uh, oh man, what was it? Is it um, is it the Faltiana guy? Is that Faltiana? Yeah, Faltiana. He has this uh, guy that he's going to torture. Oh, I, I loved his his torture idea. Putting syrup on his face and putting him on an ant mound. Yeah, and he wants to know, and he talks about like, you know, he's been. They tried to grab him before, but he figured it out. But and it's just happened again. Why did you come and why are Nilf Guardians trying to capture me? And the guy's like, uh, doesn't want to say anything. He's like, well, it's going to be pretty unpleasant. The last Nilf Guardian who had this, uh, he was quite impressive. He lasted about eight hours before he finally gave up everything. <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> last two seconds, by the way. I don't want. Oh, yeah. Calling on me and, and, yeah, no. Because it says he puts it on his, he puts the syrup on his nose and like around his ears. So, you know, he wants the ants to like crawl in his ears and stuff. That'd be. Yeah. Fun. Well, I, we, we've had so many ants here at my house in the last couple months, which we don't usually have that problem that I think they would take a vendetta out on me, you know, cause I've, yeah. I've had to kill so many of them. Um, so yeah, I'm not looking to do that. Yeah. Forget that. So basically this guy Isengrin, who he has captured, he says that, uh, well, we never got the delivery of the K here guy. And so now my superiors are pissed and they want you dead or they want to question you anyway. And uh, he's like, well, I'll tell you, you know, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what happened. And then he talks about how Riance, they sailed in with him under Thaned and they hid. And then a battle broke out and it was insane. And then when the battle was over, all the the sorcerers, they went through portals and left them there to die, basically. And they had to fight their way out. And they found Kay here mortally wounded. They took him with them and they nursed him back to health. And then he finally, by chance, got the message that they wanted Kay here. 
And so we put him in a coffin and left him where we were supposed to. And then I went on my way. So what's the deal? It's not my problem. It doesn't mean I know anything about Vilgaforts or Reants or anything. I don't talk to those guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's got a good point. I don't even know these assholes. Yeah, who are these guys? And I thought that was great. When it cuts back to Milva, Cahir says, Geralt, he's going the wrong way. And it's like, huh? And I was like, finally, somebody Somebody says says it. And I can't wait for Milva to tell Geralt, but she doesn't tell him right away. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we cut to Asir, that girl Asir, and (laughs) I can't even say this name. The other girl, she was Angel Vigo. Angela Vigo. Angela Vigo in Nilfgaard. And what's funny is they talk about how Zarthisius, he thought he tracked Siri to the desert, which is ridiculous. You know, like, like, why would she be there? Yeah. And it's just like, oh, poor guy. He had it exactly right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's funny because it seems like uh, they'd been trying to find her forever. And the Zarthesius guy, who we think is kind of a goof, uh, finds her like immediately. Yeah. But it's such a ridiculous answer that it's like, no, she's not in the desert. Come on. Yeah. What are there, uh, unicorns there too? Come on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Put this guy to death or something. So uh, they're talking about the fake lion cub and she has like a lock of her hair. Like they know that this is not Siri. Yes. And so we know that's going on. Get back to them later. But K here, Milva, they're uh, waiting. They're going to wait until dawn. Well, what's funny is they know, they know they need to save Geralt and Dandelion, but they're in the camp with thousands of soldiers. There's Mm -hmm. like no way to get in there to save them. Until they smell this delightful smell of herbs and stuff. And it's uh, Regis. And he basically says, I will rescue them. I'll be right back. And Cahir's like, wow, this guy's really full of himself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and didn't it say that he just kind of showed up out of nowhere? Yeah. He just like appears. Regis. And he's like, hello. Hello there. And so when Geralt and Dandelion are waiting to be hanged, uh, Geralt's listening and he's kind of talking about Yennefer there too. I I can't remember what he says, but he's, he's kind of feeling a little helpless. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, he is. Well, it's funny because he's trying to like placate Dandelion in in terms of saying that like, Oh, they're not going to put you to death. You're fine. You know, nobody ever puts poets to death. It's me. That's got to worry about it. And Dandelion's like, yeah, right. You know, personal vendettas like this uh, don't usually, um, they don't usually leave witnesses to these types of things. Yeah. And the, that guy who doesn't like him is definitely going to kill Dandelion also. Oh, yeah, definitely. Just to be a jerk. But Geralt is listening to the guards, how they're talking and stuff. And uh, suddenly they're like all sleeping and his medallion vibrates and Regis appears and he tells Geralt, where to meet to ride towards the river here and you'll meet up with Milva. And that's when Geralt figure, he figures out who Regis is and he's like, it's probably best if we never meet again. And it's funny. We don't know he's a vampire yet. You know, it doesn't tell us that the reader, but Geralt, he knows what he is. They use the sleeping guards cloaks to escape. 
And they actually are doing pretty good, except they're stopped. But the guards are like, we'll let you pass. You know, they think they're deserting uh, soldiers. Oh, I, I love that. What's the password? And Daddy Lion's like, no card. <laughs> It's like, no. <laughs> and uh, remember earlier, he mentioned that he has some doubloons sewed into his boots. <laughs> uh -huh. He's like, I'll just give them this money. And he's like, if you do that, they're just going to beat you up and take your money anyway. And so they like rip his boots off and they're all fighting over it. And uh, they end up running. And then the army gives chase. But again, like right as the army, the army guys are chasing him. Nilfgaard shows up. And so there's a battle, but Nilfgaardians, and I think, they, are they Temerians? They're following them, too. Mm -hmm. And Dandelion is hit by an arrow. Oh, man. That was... Didn't you very... love the way he says, they've killed me! <laughs> they've killed me! Yeah. <laughs> and I love Geralt's just like, you'll be fine, Dandelion. <laughs> you're like, you're <laughs> fine. He sees it, it's just a graze, but it is gushing blood. And he's like, they killed me. I'm dying. <laughs> so yeah. they they get to the uh, to Milva, and that's when uh, I think they get away with on the horses and everything. But Regis shows up again to, and he rushes to Dandelion's side because he's going to help him. And Geralt threatens Regis. <laughs> yeah. Don't you love how Regis doesn't pay attention to any of his threats? He just ignores them. Yeah. Definitely. And, and I love that there's this part here where it kind of describes, you know, Geralt knows what's up with Regis, but the rest of Milva and Dandelion wonder why, why are you being such a dick to Regis? Like he just rescued us and now he's helping me. I've got a wound. I got hit by an arrow and that it turns out he's a vampire and he kind of turns and it says that Regis shows Milva and Dandelion his fangs and like, Dandelion lets out kind of like a whimper, like, oh, you know? <laughs> and it turns out he's 428 years old and that he's a high vampire. And, uh, uh, Geralt's like, you need to leave. And it's funny as he said, he says this thing about, I was here around the time of the conjunction of the spheres. And I'm like, Hey, could you explain what the hell he's talking <laughs> yeah, exactly. about here? And girl, he, before he, he says, I will leave, but first you need to tell me how much money would it cost for you to hunt me down and kill me? Oh yeah. I liked that part a lot. And Geralt says it would take more than anyone could afford. And Regis mm -hmm. is pleased to hear that. <laughs> and then he's like, and you to K here, I want you out of here. And Mill was like, no, he's not leaving. He saved me. So it's like, they're like fighting with Geralt, just being a dick yeah. to everybody. And so he's like, fine, I need to have a talk with this guy, this Nilfgaardian. He's like, I'm not a Nilfgaardian. He basically says that anyone who hurts Siri deserves death. Tell me your story. And he basically says that uh, he's connected to Siri too. And he tells him of the visions that he's had. And it's the same ones that Geralt has had. As he's talking to him, we see the rats entering a bandit's <coughs> lair. You know, they're kind of this bandit place where the bandits hang out. And this guy starts making jokes about Syrian missile. Like, oh, what you need is a man. Oh, yeah. And they're like, oh, no, 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 you guys shouldn't do that. So Siri goes over and she basically hacks the guy to pieces. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
it's kind of like, whoa. Like, she didn't just kill the guy. She hacked him up. Yeah. Geralt is worried about her. And Kay here says that she's not in Nilfgaard. And it's finally like, yes, finally. Geralt knows she's not in Nilfgaard. But now here's one of my favorite parts in the entire book. Geralt tells Milva and Dandelion that they need to go. That he's just going to ride on himself. And they're like, what? And he's like, yeah, you you need to go. This is my, I, you know, basically he needs to face his baptism of fire, you know, because yeah, I himself. love that each of these books, they say the name of the book multiple times. <laughs> yeah, definitely. They decide we're just going to ignore him. You know, you can't do anything yourself, Geralt. And they decide they're going to make a, a fish soup. And well, I, I love how when they're talking about him, they're just talking about him as if he's like the world's biggest baby. Yeah. And they, they're talking about him in front of him and Geralt's turned away from them, but he can hear yeah, he's everything all sulking. He's sulking and he can hear everything they're saying. And even Kay here, he catches a large fish, large fish and, you know, Dandelion's like, hey, we can make a soup with all these things and they're like oh yeah and Regis shows up who said he would never <laughs> he said he'd be gone yeah, for no, good he shows up out of nowhere again he's like well I need to check on Dandelion's dressing it needs to be changed every day after all and he's girl's just like oh like he can't control <laughs> any of these people none of them will do anything he says and I love that part where they're all just eating and girl's like oh that was a very good soup and Dandelion's like well, you wouldn't even be eating if it wasn't for us. We <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'd be hungry. You'd be hungry right now. And I love how they're just making him feel like total shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Basically, well, they, they're, they're they, also talking about him like as if he's not there. You know? yeah, they spell out that there's no way you would have made it this far had you not had all of us with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, Geralt's finally seeing like, wow, like traveling in numbers. Mm-hmm. This well, he, he thinks they're slowing him down. And yes, to a point, they are slowing him down, but they're, you know, helping him along the way. Right. And basically, they they want to help him find Siri. Even Milva suggests she wants to be there the moment that he sees her and they embrace or whatever. She wants to, to see this happen. And there's even little moments where she realizes how much she cares for him. Like, even, like, she, like, has these thoughts about Geralt, and it's like, whoa, she's kind of hot for Geralt, isn't she? Did you kind of get the, the same feeling, that uh, of this, the feelings that Essie Davin had for him? Yeah, the kind of this, there's something about Geralt where you just fall in love with the guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're strong and independent and, you know, n- not looking for love, that's the, are the, are the people that fall in love with Geralt. Yeah. And so, uh, as chapter six begins, uh, we get a, a little scene with Siri and Missile where Siri is basically telling Missile to stop touching her. She's like, I thought you had fun when we play around. She's like, leave me alone. And it basically talks about how Falka is just looks forward to fighting and killing. Yeah, all she wanted wants to do is kill now. Yeah, and they're robbing like a carriage and she's mad that they killed all the the people before she could get to him. And then a guy charges her on a horse and she's happy to fight him and she cuts him down. Mm-hmm. And so we know that she's a hot mess right now. <laughs> yes, definitely. 
And then we, here's the, when we get to Dol Blathana with Francesca Findebear in Ida Chivney or whatever her name is. Do you remember Dol Blathana? That's like the place on the edge of the world where they had uh, Torqua and all that. That was there. Oh, was that, was that there? I didn't know yeah. that. And so they're, uh, they're talking about as they're going to go to the sorcerer's lodge thing and they reach, she reaches for the Jade figurine and chances spell. And the figurine turns into Yennefer. It turns out Yennefer was turned into this little tiny figurine that she carried with her in her cleavage (laughs) that she described. (laughs) We don't really know why she did this except to get her out of there safely. Yeah, well, that's what she she said. She said she turned her into the figurine so that way when she was questioned if they knew where Yennefer was, she would say she didn't because she didn't know where Yennefer was because Yennefer was a figurine. Yes. She basically using this, like if they used a truth spell or whatever, they wouldn't mm-hmm. get the whole truth. And apparently being shrunk down to a figurine really hurts. <laughs> yes. The unpacking process apparently is very awful. Yeah. She used like compression magic and she was a figurine for 47 days. And I love the bit where she like is crawling and she crawls into a fountain and he's just laying in the water like, oh, <laughs> she's, yeah, she's like, I peed in your fountain. Oh, I love that. You'll need to change the water because I just peed. <laughs> that was good stuff. So in uh, Castle Monte Calvo, that's where the the sorceress is. There was this huge gasps as Yennefer arrives with him. <gasps> Yennefer. And. Triss can tell that there's something not quite right with Yennefer. Like she looks off. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because uh, she doesn't have her glamour eye, does she? Perhaps. But what is it, Kira? She's just like, oh, I wonder what, how Vilgefortz is doing. <laughs> you know, she's like, <laughs> I was yeah. a little mad that no one came out and said, yes, Yennefer, she's actually been with us the whole time. She has not been helping Vilgefortz or anything of that, but none of that is said. Yeah, nobody- and it kind of drove me nuts that did that bother you at all that they never yeah it did no nobody stood up for it but i mean i i expect so little out of the sorcerers and sorceresses in this that i wasn't very surprised right oh and i forgot before they go to to this uh the conclave or whatever francesca wants yennefer to promise she won't try to escape and yen's like i'll not promise that (laughs) i'm not promising anything (laughs) So it is, it's during this conversation, Philippa wants Siri to be there, uh, a sorceress there. And they describe that she, her lineage and the royal, the royal blood, and it goes back all these ways. And she like has fruit floating in there. Okay. This apple is this person, this, and mm-hmm. I love that the other characters are like, I'm not following any of this. Cause as I was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. as I was reading, I was like, I'm not either. Yeah, after two listens, I was still kind of uh, confused as to how all this stuff breaks down. This is what I kind of got from this, is that there are people who deal with magic that knows that this blood, the blood of elves, as it were, and that's the name of one of the books, (laughs) (laughs) that they can manipulate pairings throughout the ages, right? Like yeah. this, this person's blood with this person's blood could create the Royal blood, which their offspring will be this person of great 
magic and power. And so, uh, I don't know if they were hinting like, and you know about that, Yennefer, and Yennefer, I'm not sure, knows anything about that. Because I just believe oh. what what we're told happened in the books that Geralt says, I need help with this girl, and she came to help her, and she fell in love yeah. with her, right? Well, it, it seems what, what's been happening, from what I got it, is that the sorcerers, uh, the magic users, have basically been kind of cooking the system a little bit to try to uh, get the right people lined up to bring on this specific person, you know, right. this kind of prophesied about person. And so the elder blood is actually a dominant gene inside of, uh, you know, royalty. And they've been kind of like hooking people up with elixirs or uh, sterilizing people, just manipulating the whole system to try to bring this person about, which is pretty awful and yeah. terrible. And apparently it seems like they, they, le or they at least think that Yennefer was involved in all of that. And that's when Yennefer hears like, we want Siri to be part of this. All Yennefer hears is like, people want to use Siri. And yeah. I have a feeling Yennefer just wants to find Siri because she cares about her. They might see like, oh, Yennefer wants her for her power. And they don't realize mm -hmm. that Siri is basically her daughter. And that's the way she thinks of it. So do you think Yennefer was involved in all that stuff with Vilgefortz? Or you don't think she was? I don't think she was. Oh, really? Okay. I, I kind of do. Because I thought that they, uh, she had said something of like, oh, how will Geralt ever forgive me or something like that. Or maybe that was Trisk who said that about her. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, she hopefully said, she's not. I thought, I, I don't think Geralt will ever forgive me. It's because of what, how Siri fell out of her hands. Oh, she, I see what you're she saying. she lost her is what I thought. Oh, okay. She, yeah, we'll even, see. When they mention Geralt, you know, she, you can see she's not even sure if Geralt's still alive, but they mentioned that, you know, he was taken to Brokilon and last I saw him, he was uh, doing better. So she knows Geralt's alive, but mm -hmm. she doesn't know how Siri's doing. And friend, I forgot to mention friend, Fringilla. And she's like the third sorceress they brought from Nilfgaard, right? To be yeah. in the council. And she helps somehow Yennefer get away. I'm not quite sure because there's these spells that keep them from teleporting out of there. But uh, somehow Yennefer gets out of there. Yeah, she basically tells her, like, you know, I mean, they they say that they're not friends, that they're actually enemies or, or whatever. And she kind of gives her a hint as to how she could escape if she wanted to. Yeah. And this is after a friend Gilla, she reveals that it's not really Siri in Nilfgaard, that they mm -hmm. don't know where she is. Like, does Vilgefortz have her? I don't know. And I think that's enough for Yennefer picturing her with Vilgefortz. Like, holy shit, I need to go find her right now. Kind of yeah. thing. She's like, I don't need the help of anybody. Just let me right this wrong. I failed Geralt and I need to find her. That's what I think. Oh, okay. I, I like that interpretation of it way better than the idea of thinking that she was involved in like eugenics, which is like, yeah. you know, um, that part yeah. was really confusing and it was, I'd like to see it spelled out more. Maybe the TV series, they can start that kind of storyline early on. So we get it by the time it gets there, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Because that whole thing about about them doing experiments on on blood and and sterilizing people that was kind of a it's a giant layer to this whole thing that we kind of hear about uh, in when Geralt is talking to Stregobor, you know, uh-huh. in in the Last Wish. Yeah, you remember when they had they they alluded to that, but that was so long ago that it. Um, I forgot about all that. So when they brought this up in this one, it really came on as kind of a shock and a bit of a surprise. Yeah. It's very interesting though. Totally. Oh yeah, definitely. And it really just goes to show you the level of like how evil Vilgefortz is. Yeah. He wants to be all powerful. So, uh, we get a quick bit with a bounty hunter named Von Hart and he set out to eliminate the rats. And I swear that, Remember how Blood of Elves ended? Not not uh, Blood of Elves, Time of Contempt. Remember they have this guy set out to, they're going to catch the rats and hang them. We yes. haven't heard about that in a while until this part in the book. They have a bounty hunter out to eliminate the rats, which uh, he sounds like a badass. Maybe he's like a really good bounty hunter. He seems to come off that way. He does, but like, and um, I forget which book it was. Remember, they had the meeting with like it was a, a group of guys that were going to go out. And, oh, it was the uh, when when Geralt is at the bar and he ends up killing those all those guys, and uh, he runs into um, Applegat. That yeah. that whole part, we have a, a part where it's like, oh no, he's got these guys after him now, and he just like wipes the floor with those guys really quick. So I don't know if this guy is somebody who we really need to fear so yeah, much or so uh, might be able to obviously just take him out immediately take him out immediately i don't know we'll see what happens but basically that little bit there with the bounty hunter it's like next book we're just <laughs> yeah exactly here. here's a little breadcrumb here making sure you guys buy my next book so i love the part where dandelion comes up to <laughs> he goes up to Geralt and he's like Ah, oh, could we talk? Me and Milva want to talk to you about Regis for a bit. <laughs> yeah, this is great. It's like, uh, should we be worried we're traveling with a vampire? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I, I think he would have heard us a long time ago if he wanted to. You know, we've slept around him for Christ's sakes or whatever. Yeah, he had us in his hut where he could have, like, we were all drunk. He could have attacked us there. Before we get into that, I love the description of how they said that, like, uh, Dandelion was, like, wearing his head bandage with, like, total pride. Like, he was this badass now because he'd been <laughs> injured more. Yeah, that's why I love that, Dandelion. So as they're riding along, uh, Dandelion's like, ah, sure could uh, use some, eat some meat for a change. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Something, what about you, Regis? Uh, something you want some bloody? meat or some blood? He's like, blood? <laughs> he's like, I don't need blood, but you could have some if you want. And he's like, what? <laughs> and he's like, fine, I know what you're getting at. And he basically tells him the story about how he was a bloodaholic. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Kind of, didn't well, that, like that, was so, that was so classic. That was so awesome because you, you know, we always talk about Subkowski taking stuff and turning it on his head, and the idea of using blood and being a vampire is basically like being an alcoholic. Like had me rolling. I thought that yeah. was hilarious. He was basically, he partied all the time and drank more blood than he ever needed to. Didn't he say that a vampire only needs to drink blood like 
Uh, well, he doesn't have to drink it at all, but I don't really, think they have to. Yeah. It's, to be it's, at full it's, power it's, or something, you drink maybe once a month, but he was drinking every night, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Well, it was so funny. He's like, and I started to do things no vampire would do. I flew under the influence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was fantastic. And he ended up crashing. He was uh-huh. flying drunk basically. And he crashed and they, these villagers chopped him into pieces and buried him. Yeah. And, and it took him years to basically slowly come back together. And it was just kind of a hilarious story, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It, w- it was um, the, probably one of the best takes on vampirism that I've seen in anything. I was, like I said, I was not expecting that at all. And so they're like, does the sun kill you? He's like, no, that's just a rumor. And it's just like, Wow. Yeah, I mean, well, it's so funny because uh, I don't know if it was specifically at this point where they were talking about, but they were talking about like people's fear of vampires. And he was like, look, you guys can regenerate your hair and your skin and your fingernails. Why is it so strange that somebody or some other type of creature has evolved to the point where they can just regenerate everything? Right. It's like, it's only fantastical because you just, it's the unknown to you, but Mm -hmm. believe me, it's not that spectacular, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So I was like, I love this character. Oh yeah. Great. What, one of the best characters we've been introduced to so far, I think. I mean, there's even a part where Geralt's kind of talking to himself, like, how did I wind up with these group of people? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This what I I love how they, they, like, he's so smart. But they're like starting to get irritated with him because he comes off like such like a know-it-all prick about everything. There was that part where it said it smelled like excrement and cabbage, but he's like, what a interesting uh, plethora of smells here. And this, she goes, it smells like cabbage and shit. Why don't you just say it? Yeah. (laughs) And uh, Geralt's like, I'm traveling with this poet, uh, a half dryad. A elf guardian who's not an elf guardian and a vampire. How did this happen? You know, <laughs> I just love that. And uh, they're talking about routes to go, and there's apparently this this Yizgith path that's super dangerous with all sorts of creatures, and they're thinking of going that way. Um, because Regus knows some druids who have magic that may help find Siri on their way there they hear a commotion and Geralt goes ahead and we forgot to talk about this, but he hears dwarves playing the game of barrel. This oh, card, barrel. Yeah. This card game that, uh, they're that dwarves play and it's hilarious. They describe how there's like these beautifully drawn cards with incredible imagery. And, uh, I don't understand how the game is played. I do know that they have a Witcher card game that you can actually play called Gwent. And I believe it's based on barrel. And I oh, did an actual card game that you can buy. Yes. And it's a video <laughs> game cool. too. You can play the video game card game of it called Gwent, but I believe it's, they got the idea from barrel, which I think is awesome. And it's Zoltan. And he's so happy to see his friends. Cause I wondered what happened to Zoltan. Cause uh, you know, throughout this book, as you're reading it, you're like, whoa, what happened to Zoltan and the other guys? What happened to him? They just kind of disappeared, but they find him again. And the girl who was tied to the wagon is there. Is there, yeah. <laughs> and she, poor thing. She has burns and stuff, but she's kind of out of her mind a little bit. 
And she, Regis is helping her and she starts to speak like a prophecy, kind of like Siri does. And she talks about no help, only blood, a baptism of fire. And I was like, hey, they said the Hey, there it is. Drink. Within three days, one shall die. The tower of swallows on a lake surrounded by ice. And it's like, oh, okay. Uh, but there's this great bit where Zoltan tells Geralt that uh, they're kind of giving up. They're going back to Mahakam, Mahakim, the dwarven land, because they've had enough <laughs> of this worn, torn place that, uh, in fact, one of them died, got swept yeah. up in the, when all the people he, I forget which one did, but. I think it was Caleb, wasn't it? Oh, uh, was it? Poor old guy. And so. no. Him and Polly Dalbert are sleeping <laughs> yeah. with Holy! the fishes. And uh, I've, I've just got to say that every part with Zoltan's bird cracked me up. Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. It's fantastic. But Zoltan gives Geralt his sword. And I just I love that name, Field Marshal Windbag. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's like, like Wolfgang Amadeus Goatbeard. Like the, yeah. Some of the, the names for characters that really don't, hinge that much on the story or, or they're think, awesome like uh, as uh, andre subkovsky's writing he writes that and he laughs at it and he's like i'll fix that later in the edit and he's like no it's fine no, we're keeping it <laughs> yeah but uh zoltan gives Geralt his sword he goes this is a mighty sword and i want to know that great things are being done with it use it that Geralt's going to be using it in a just cause mm-hmm. and i thought that was a a great moment and he says that I have to confess something to you that I'm not this great person like you think I am. In fact, we robbed a merchant and we took all this gold and we buried it. So I'm not as good a friend as you think I am. So if you don't want to be my friend anymore, I understand. And Geralt's like, nonsense. I'm forever in your debt. You're my friend or whatever. It's such an interesting character, you know, Zoltan is. And and I hope this isn't the last time that we see him because he, um, it's true. It, it, you have this guy who he basically murdered somebody for all their stuff, but on the other hand, he's taking care of all of these women and trying to get them safely to the other side. Yeah, he even says we clocked him pretty good. We think he's alive, but he could be dead. We left him on the side of the road. You know? <laughs> yeah, and he he feels guilty about it, obviously. But I I I, I love that character, and I I want to see more of him. Now, as they're, they ride on, they find some peasants who've said they've been freed by a white queen. And she has an army of, uh, that are wearing mixed uniforms. Uh, men from Rivia, men from uh, other places, Lyria. Yeah, Lyria. Wasn't that the other place? Lyria and Rivia, yeah. Yeah, Lyria and Rivia. And it's funny, they're like, uh, Milva, I think, is like, Carol, you're from Rivia. And he's like, well, actually, no, that's a load of shit. It just kind of sounded cool. I, I love the name that he had uh, picked before Geralt of Rivia. I forget what it was, but it was some long, drawn-out name. It was like oh, four yeah. names. Wasn't it like Vesemir was like, oh, that's terrible. No, <laughs> yeah, Geralt exactly. of Rivia, that sounds better. And uh, he basically says that he's Geralt from nowhere and that uh, people don't trust somebody who's not from somewhere. So he had to Yeah, it was, it was basically the name was like a marketing technique. Yeah, so like Geralt of Rivia. Hey, I know Rivia. Okay, let's hire this guy. 
So uh, they also noticed that lately Milva has wandered off to throw up lately in the mornings. Yeah. And Regis reveals to them that she's pregnant and she's about 10 weeks. And there's this great scene where she kind of talks about how she doesn't want the baby because she wants to ride on with Geralt and see him through his journey. And uh, then she tells the story of how she got pregnant. And it's funny because... I like how she she talks about like poor Maria Barring. It's Milva's fault. Like she has alter egos, you know, she kind of talks about herself in the third mm-hmm. person or whatever. And Geralt tells her about priceless things are hard to come by. And sometimes you don't realize it's a priceless thing until it's gone. Mm-hmm. And I think at that point, doesn't she decide, okay, I don't want to get rid of the baby. I just want to she just thought- well, it's, it seemed like she didn't want to get rid of the baby altogether, like right. the entire time. But she was torn with herself because she didn't want to be a burden on him. And and really, I think what it is is she doesn't want to show any kind of weakness or be vulnerable. But she really kind of has no choice at certain points during her pregnancy. She is going to be weaker than she she normally would be and doesn't want to be a burden on all of them i also thought it was funny before that like when dandelion and Kay here when they're all talking about the idea of her getting an abortion and um like dandelion is like totally up in arms and like gets mad at Geralt, thinking that he's like some uh not like progressive person <laughs> you know <laughs> And Geralt's like, like I you... haven't expressed any opinion. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what are you going to make her have the baby? And he's like, I haven't said anything. <laughs> he's like, I'm just sitting here. She, it's her decision, whatever she wants to do. And uh, Yeah, I love that. And I, that's what I love the most is all of their exchanges when they're all talking and stuff. Yeah. And that's when Geralt, he decides they're not going to go that dangerous way anymore. They're going to go a better way. They're going to travel to the Yoruga and cross it on a barge. Which turns out not to be a really safe way to go at <laughs> yeah. all, is it? No, not By at the all. Way, well, but, but before we move on, I, I did, like you were saying, I loved the scene with her and Geralt and the, as they're sitting on the, the thing. And he, he's basically, you know, saying, I told you that I would, you know, I owed you something and that I would pay the price. But sometimes you just can't pay that price you know and it really what it seemed like is she just wanted somebody to have some sort of connection with her and tell her things were going to be okay and that's how you know it totally changed her attitude towards everything right she she needed somebody to talk to desperately yeah, she needed reassurance she had been carrying the secret with her the entire time and you know the way she said it is she was with a group of l squayatel and they were sure they were going to die so they wanted to have one last night expressing love instead of hate and killing and stuff. And she mm-hmm. like joined in with them. And, uh, I think she said they sure enough, the Scoyatel were killed the next day. Yeah. The next day they died. So she doesn't even know whose uh, child it would be. Right. And so she's carrying the baby of someone who's dead and it's just kind of like hopeless is the way she felt. But, being able to talk to it with Geralt was that was, well, was just, nice. it, it was interesting also when when he was talking to her about like you know it makes sense of why you would want to help me with Siri because you're trying to assuage yourself of the guilt of getting rid of your child he's like but some things you know we'll never be able to fill that hole right it's like man Geralt he's like a therapist I'm telling you <laughs> 
So when they ride on this barge, I absolutely loved this harrowing third act of the book. Of uh, Yeah, this was great. Volleys of arrows and dodging them and uh and the 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 um the fairy captain and his somewhat dim helper yes. is like singing. And at first they see uh I think it's the Lyrian army, right? Those men, they're like, come over here. We need you. We need the." And they're like, no, no, cut the ropes, cut the ropes. And they're like, they see them cut the ropes. So they start shooting arrows at them. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Cause they're trying to escape from a, a battle. And then as they ride further down the river, then there's Nilf guardians on the right side of the river and they start shooting arrows at them. And, uh, the ferryman's assistant, he's killed. And poor guy. I know. Then Regis is hit right in the chest with an arrow and he drops down. And that's where Milva's like, oh, enough with this. And she just starts shooting arrows and killing Nilfgaardian after Nilfgaardian. And don't you love the part where she sees the superior officer yelling at them and she takes like a long shot and she's and you just see him (laughs) drop. And they're all like, where are these arrows coming from? Like, (laughs) Yeah, I think it said not one of them missed their target. Yeah, she just takes all these bastards out. The ferryman actually gets killed too, doesn't he? He gets killed, yeah. I think Pegasus takes an arrow, and so does Roach. Or they get knocked off the boat. And it's just like this really harrowing, and they have poles. They're like, push, push, go this way, go this way. No, 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 we're coming to it. And they're like, push this way. And they're all like, got their poles, and they're pushing. Meanwhile, they're getting arrow shot at them and stuff. <laughs> And so when the barge crashes, there's battles going on on the banks and stuff. Uh, Milva, she needs help and she has blood coming out of her. And Regis is afraid that she's having a miscarriage and she can't walk and they lay her down there. Meanwhile, the army is retreating in their way. And they're like, uh, if they come this way, we're done for. And we can't move Milva at the moment. So Geralt and Kay here are like... Uh, well, let's go lead these men into battle, essentially. Yeah. And I thought this scene was incredible because Kay here, he's fought for Nilfgaard, but he's leading men against Nilfgaard. Yeah. And well, I love it because he, he was like, what are we going to do? And he's like, you don't re- for, re- remember I was an officer, by the way. And he goes and like musters all the troops to go fight against his side. Yeah, they're like, where are you going? Don't flee. We're here to fight. And they're like, huh? Yeah. And they turn around. And when they see them start fighting, the other men turn around. They start joining the fight, too. It, like, just takes that much to get them. And I love how it says Geralt's running on the railing, like, chopping yeah. dudes down. And there's even one point where he... We haven't seen it in so long. There's, like, these uh, wood oh, yeah. tree limbs and stuff blocking the way. He fires uh, the sign of Ard. Oh, yeah, I think this it? is where they said that he hadn't had his Witcher's elixir, so it wasn't quite what it normally would. Yeah. You know? He, and there's even a guy who's like... It was, it was a very flaccid ard, but it was <laughs> yeah. still an ard nonetheless. It's like, it was just enough to work. Uh-huh. And I love that there's a guy on the Nilf Guardians. He's like, K here? And he, like, recognizes him, and then, a, like, a, a spear hits him. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. Dies. Like a dwarf throws a spear at him. So they fight off the Nilfgaard. They basically, Geralt leads them to victory, which is so funny because what I loved about the scene is 
When we first met Geralt, what is his main thing is he's neutral. He doesn't care about war. He doesn't fight on any sides. He's just a witcher. He's come mm-hmm. so far, hasn't he? Well, yeah. Like it, earlier on in the in the book, um, I forget who it is says to him, "You're no longer a witcher. Now you're a knight trying to save the damsel in distress." They brought that up earlier on in the book, and so that's why this was all very awesome. Yes, and I love. We've heard about this white queen. She rides up. And don't you love that she's missing front teeth? <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's speaking with a lisp, and she's Meave, the White Queen. Did they have that written out as if it was a lisp? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. That's the way it was written out, like, Rivia. I can't even do it, because yeah. I would have to find the sentence. But basically, uh, it's Lyrian and Rivians. And she's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm Geralt. Geralt of who? Of where? Where are you from? He goes, I'm from nowhere. She's like, Geralt of nowhere. <laughs> Have you ever been knighted? And he's like, no. And she's like, Neil. And uh, the guy pulls out the sword and she's like, Geralt of nowhere. You shall now forever be Geralt of Rivia. And I love like it says that the Witcher cracks a smile. Like uh-huh. he, can't, he can't believe this shit. Like now I am Geralt of Rivia. I thought that I was fantastic and well and and he even said that before like the idea of his baptism of fire he was going to have to go through fire to be purified yeah and and like come out the other side so is this like the culmination of that purification now he's actually a legitimate knight saving the damsel in distress i believe so because i i forgot that part when he uses ard the the wood that's blocking their way is on fire and Mm -hmm. he, he uses the sign of Ard to knock it all away so they can get through. When it said someone will die, do you think uh, Regis getting shot in the chest counted as a death? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm... When he gets shot by the arrow and he falls, when he's like, come on, we must go, go this way. They're like, you're alive? And he's like, <laughs> like are you dead? And he's like, uh, do you really think an arrow? And they're like, never mind. Come on, let's go. You know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. we don't have time to listen to you talk about how arrows won't kill you yeah exactly but that ending i had like full-on goosebumps oh yeah it was amazing reading Geralt being knighted and basically being told he's Geralt of rivia (laughs) yeah like the, the the whole part from right before they um they decide to take the bridge up till the end was just such awesome reading like it was just the best part you know i love this entire book i thought it was great but all that stuff like i was riveted and it gave me chills to read that whole thing and for it to like culminate in him actually legitimately becoming Geralt of rivia is is amazing he is now knight Geralt. <laughs> you know sir Geralt. Yeah, Sir Geralt of Rivia. It's hilarious. Like when well, and, Yennefer... and I love, I love when they when she was asking him about the bridge. She's like, "Why did you do this?" He was like, "It just kind of happened." Yeah, it just that's you know just happened. You know, that was fantastic. All of it. So it was. Got, yeah. How, how do you feel about this one compared to the other ones? Is it one of your favorites, or do you love them all, or how, how do you? I, I honestly love them all. And like the way that I feel about like um, Geralt and like Dandelion, like we needed those books to get to this place, you know? Yes, how we feel exactly. Like we know Geralt so well and we love that. I mean, we know that like how Dan, Dandelion deals with Geralt and I love that 
He also doesn't put up with Geralt's shit, you know. Yes, I and I love that you know Dandelion also drives him nuts, you know. Yeah, and he doesn't really listen, but it's well, fantastic. I, lo- I love that Gar- that Dandelion like he wants Dandelion to leave, and Dandelion knows that he wants him to leave, but he refuses to the entire time. Really, yeah. I mean, and I love Milva. She becomes like this character that uh, you're totally endeared to her by the end of the book. Yes. And I hope. Did, did she... we find out if she miscarries or not? Or it's still kind of up in the air? I believe the way Regis made it sound is like she could be having a miscarriage, but they don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, because she says at, at one point when, when the blood starts coming gushing out, she says something's broken off inside of me. Yeah. Which isn't good. That does, not, yeah, I don't think that ever sounds. That's ever a good thing. Not a good description there. And uh, there's a one moment early on in the book that I forgot to mention that I love is when they're uh, bef- right when they meet Zoltan, they're walking through this horror show of imagery when uh, Dandelion hears singing and he just starts playing the song on his lute that he recognizes and they're like oh yeah they're, we're trying to stay secret where no one can hear us but you're like playing on your lute and he starts <laughs> yeah. singing along and that's when they run into him just moments like that like the way you imagine in your head is so great and that's yeah what- well it's like it's like uh dandelion he is not a warrior at all but he serves a very very important purpose in the party in that like he's like the heart and the personality of the party like they probably never would have linked up with zoltan and um Geralt would have probably they they would have never linked up with rages if uh, dandelion hadn't um endeared himself to the elves so much and i love how they said that they just took to dandelion instantly yeah there's a part also where it's just Geralt and Milva and Dandelion where <clears throat> Milva's wandered off and he's like, Whoa, Geralt, she's quite shapely. <laughs> yeah. He's like, she's yeah. not really my type, but she's, you know, she's got, you know, these delicious apples. Up. Apples. And, yeah. And Geralt's like, do please shut up. Dandelion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was funny. Cause she like, she, she hears him and is like, what are you talking about me or whatever? And he's like, mm. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. like, yes, we're admiring what an archer you are. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And she's like, I've heard it all before. Good stuff. Yeah, I love the it was a great book. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. I know I say this every time, but after that second listen, it's so hard not to just click into the next book, especially after this one with that amazing ending. But that's the way we should be. If we were like, oh, I don't think I could read another one of these. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not into it. So how many more do we have left? We've only got two more. Okay, we have The Tower of Swallows. And then we have Lady of the Lake, which is the final book in the story. And then the final, final book, <laughs> Sword of Storms, is a prequel. Oh, that's right. That's a prequel. Maybe that will be the conjunction of spheres or something. That goes back to pre- Siri days of Geralt alone kind of witcher that's kind of back in the uh you know uh sword of destiny type of time. gotcha it's like, not the the uh the dandelion in college story like we were hoping for maybe it is it's pre-sword of destiny story is what i've heard so that's why i was <laughs> like when before we started this i was like should we read that before we start the novels and a lot of people are like 
No, this actually comes after all the books, but it's kind of, I have a feeling it's told as like, here's a story from my past kind of a thing. Yeah. So it wouldn't make any sense to read it before the novels. So we're saving that for last. Yeah. But, but we basically got two more of the novels of this main series type story to go. Okay, the next book is The Tower of Swallows. So I'm really excited. And here's what's funny. On the front of the book, it says a new... Oh, that, I'm sorry. That, that was my question. Do we know at, at what point, I'm sure we do, when uh, the last book came out? Like, is he basically done done with the entire series at this point? Or is there a chance that we'll get other prequels in the future? From what I've uh, read is that Andrei Sapkowski has promised that he's done with the the story of Geralt, the Witcher, with Ciri and Yennefer and all that. But he's not opposed to going back and writing another book like Sword of Storms, which is a prequel. I see. If he wants to write more about the Witcher. Because there's probably so much that, you know, there's a lot in there. I don't think he should make any promise and just do whatever the hell he wants. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like, don't say, I'll never write another one of these. And like, don't say that. Just do whatever you want because people will love it, you know? Yeah. I know I love it. I'm I'm loving these characters and I love these books. And uh, I think yeah, awesome. I, I really didn't uh, suspect when we started this out how much I would in, enjoy it. And I know I've said that before, but it... Um, they're just yeah exactly they are the best type of book to read and then discuss with somebody else about because it's so much fun and it's uh it's just a great story and i do believe the tower of swallows audiobook peter kenny said this is where he goes back to dandelion <laughs> well god i hope so i mean we're running out of time right dandelion is now dandelion yeah I don't know what I'm going to do. If I'll throw a party or if I'll feel sad, I'm just not sure what my emotions will be like when I hear that. I should mention this before we go is that Ross and I have seen the new Witcher trailer. And yes, I got chills watching it. How did you feel about that, Ross? Oh yeah, it was incredible. I I am so excited about this. Like there are very few, um, really good like sword and sorcery series out there there's a couple but any of those i I would get excited about but for the fact that we are like so emotionally involved in this story and then to see it the way it is and look like they're actually giving it the respect and the artistry that it deserves just makes me so excited when they show that quick i don't know if you've noticed this there's a quick ard blast where he goes like that I was like, dude, and I like had to go back and watch it again. And Were you showing Heather, and she was like, "I don't know what you're talking yeah, about." Yeah, what, what's Ard? What? And you see just a moment of Dandelion just walking away from the camera. I maybe they're hiding Dandelion from us on purpose, where they want to like we got to wait for the show to see Dandelion, you know? Yeah. But uh, I'm excited, and I there is no dandelion, or, uh, Jason. I'm sorry, they, they they've cut him out of the show. How no! upset would you be? That would be terrible. I'd yeah. turn it off. Well, yeah, I'd <laughs> I hard my television. I'm pretty sure season one, just by watching the teaser and then this trailer, it looks like the Last Wish and Sort of Destiny combined. 
Oh, like, okay. Into one How many season. shows did you say that or seasons were they planning? The uh, showrunner said, I think her name is Lauren Histrich or something like that. She said that they could plan up to seven seasons. Oh, and wow. Okay. It's Netflix is already greenlit season two. That makes me so excited. So how great would this be? Season one is basically the last wish and sort of destiny kind of combined while setting up breadcrumbs for blood of elves season two. How cool would that be? It would be amazing. It, it makes me wonder if they're going to combine those two into one season. What stories of those two short story novels will get cut out? Yeah. Like, will they get, will they get rid of the, um, the beauty and the beast tale? Cause it didn't quite fit in. I have a you know, feeling. Is it, is yes. It, um, I have, a, I have a feeling that won't be in there for some reason. Cause I don't see any of it in the trailer, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but, that's true. I do think we're going to get some Torqua action, though. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, I hope so. And uh, I'm Well, because the the Torqua scene, it it plays into future events with Philavandral and the other elf. I forget her name at this point. So that all kind of ties into the main storyline. But, you know, the the one where he's like the Butcher of Blaviken or the Mermaid story. I'm wondering if we're still going to get those because they don't really tie into the main series story you, they build a lot of world stuff but you know uh, it'd be interesting butcher of Blaviken story is definitely there in that trailer you can see is it okay yeah that's gonna be in there stregobor we're gonna see stregobor in this oh man <laughs> can't wait cool. i wonder who they cast so we're definitely after when we watch that netflix series we're gonna have to get together and record our oh definitely that. yeah but so what do you say? Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Baptism of Fire show. We hope you keep reading the Tower of Swallows. Ross and I are going to keep reading and we're going to keep doing this book series. And uh, we're I don't hearing, think we have a choice at you know, this point. Like, no, nah, we're good here. <laughs> yeah, Stop. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to see what happens. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm fine. You know, I'm fine with where things are. Geralt you know, Geralt's a knight, and uh, everybody's safe. I think we'll be okay, except yeah. for Milva, but, you know, it's okay. We'll never find Yennefer's Siri. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Deal. No, I can't wait to read Tower of Swallows, man. So I got to yeah, get this episode out right away so I can start reading. Exactly. All right, guys, that's our show. Please send us some feedback. Send it to nimpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe and review the show on iTunes. Because remember, I have this show on iTunes, its very own podcast, the ETL Witcher Book Club. Ross, thank you so much for joining me again. Well, thank you for having me, Jason. As usual, it was a pleasure. And I uh, edit that thing fast so I can listen to it so I can get on with this other book, please. Hell yeah, I will. I'm going to quick post time, you know, and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ross. See you later. Bye, guys. All right, Jason. See See you next time. Bye, everybody. This podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate Valley. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com.